Thank you for joining us. This is Salt and Light Baptist Church, and I am Pastor Justin Walker. We're glad to have you here today. We're going through the book of Genesis. It's a book of foundations. Not only the foundations of God's Word, but the foundations of the entire world in which we live. And we see Genesis divided into two major sections. The first is in the first 11 chapters. It's the creation of the world. It's the fall of man. It's the global flood of Noah. It's the dispersion where men are scattered abroad across the earth. And then the Bible will zoom in in chapters 12 through 50, the Bible zooms in the stories into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so grab a Bible and come along with us today as we continue our study through Genesis. You will want a Bible today because you won't believe the story if you don't read it for yourself. <laughs> Y'all, if, you, if I have not told you this, I need you to know. First of all, for some of you visitors who are new here, we like to go straight through the Bible. Well, at least through a book. We don't, I know you see in Genesis, the, the goal is not to go all from Genesis to Revelation and Sunday morning, but, but right now we're in the book of Genesis. So we've started at Genesis 1 and 1, and, and this is how far we've made it to Genesis 19 and verse 30, which is where you'll pick up today, Genesis 19 and verse 30. And I, and I begged the Lord last week to, to, to work this part in to last week's sermon. But there was not enough time. And, and the Lord said, you're going to have to do it next week. And then I said, Lord, how? <laughs> yeah, has anybody read the story? <laughs> You'll see in a moment. I, I said, Lord, I, I really don't understand how. And I prayed and I prayed all on Sunday night and, and all through Monday. And normally I write by, by Monday afternoon. I've, I've got about half a sermon done. And, and I didn't have anything. And I was at my son's ball game. And, and I think the Lord, uh, I think he came through like always. And his word always has a purpose. And so sometimes it's good, by the way. No extra charge for this. Sometimes it's good when you get to those portions and you say, why in the world did you include that? Like, Lord, why, did, why is that there? That's, sometimes it's good to have to sit back and read and reread and question and think and just kind of go through what God's been putting in his word and what we're taking in. So that's not a bad thing. So find Genesis chapter 19 and verse 30. And while you do, I want to tell you a little story about a young man that I knew in high school. Uh, late high school, like late junior year, starting a senior year, he started uh, messing around with alcohol and drugs. I remember, most specifically, I remember that he would put... Um, certain alcohols, they would put them down in the, their Sprite bottles and they would come to school and they would sneak alcohol into school by putting it in a 20 ounce of a Sprite and that way they could have vodka or whatever they had in there. They would drink it throughout the day out of their little Sprite bottles. Um, and so I had a friend who was doing that and he was getting into drugs and, and then he meets a girl and she liked the drugs and she liked alcohol and so they were doing it together. They were drinking together and and they decided they were meant for each other, so they got married fresh out of high school. They got married just barely 18 years old. Now, I got married at 18 years old, but it was a little different than that. And uh, this guy gets married at 18 years old, right out of high school, and uh, partying was pretty much their life. They just spent all their time and all their effort. Every time you talked with them, that's what they were doing, was they were going to another party, and when they said party, they meant party. They were going to drink and drugs and carouse and just do the whole thing. And uh, that was all fun until the money ran out. And then they didn't have enough money to, to supply their growing, their increasing need for alcohol and drugs. And so he had a bright idea. Military. He was going to join the military, get a big sign-on bonus. That would give him some immediate money. And then they'd uh, get paid regularly. Uh, he was having a hard time holding a job. So military was his answer. And so he went into the military and he was going through basic. And when he got done with basic, he got to contact his new bride, and she had a baby, or a baby on the way, and it wasn't his. 
And he got so down that the drugs and alcohol, didn't, it wasn't anymore for partying and for fun. Now it was to suppress the, the feelings and the emotions that came along with that. And that ended, well, it didn't totally end, but uh, the drinking and the drugs ended with a 90-mile-an-hour DUI car crash. And he was in just fresh out of basic, so you should know what happens to a guy out of basic who just ran into another car at 90 miles an hour while he was drunk or high or whatever he was. So he's now in the brig, and he was sitting in that jail that night, and he was contemplating the best way to end his life before he would face his trial. Uh, hopefully, Jay or Maddie, whoever's up there, if y'all get this up on the screen, Google has a uh, definition for the word despair. I like their definition. They're, they're right on. The complete loss or absence of hope. Despair. No, no more hope. What's left? That's what we're going to see today. You should have it by now. I gave you plenty of time. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 30. And I want to I want to step out of the of the judgmental seat for a minute and I want to get into the seat of this poor guy and what he's going through. Look at this with me. Read this in a new light with me. Can you do that? Think just let your brain go somewhere different. Let your heart go somewhere different. Listen to what the Lord's got here. Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains. And his two daughters were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. That's not the Flintstones. You do get that, right? He's in a cave. Verse 31, Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on earth to come into us, as is the custom of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. And so they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with, our, with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. And then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and, did not, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The, first, uh, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of, the Ammonite, uh, of, the, of Ammon to this day. Let's go to the Lord and ask him about this. Heavenly Father, we turn to you. And Father, I personally, standing up here in front of everybody and reading through this again, I beg you that you would please speak to us. Lord, we don't just arbitrarily believe that your word is for us. Father, we trust you that you have pinned this and copied this for us to know and to learn more about you, to understand about your son Jesus, to understand the good news of your son Jesus. Would you help us? Would you get us there today? Help us through this, this narrative, but Father, help open our, up our hearts to what you would have for us. Draw us unto yourself. Father, we are humbling ourselves before you right now and saying we want to be closer to you. And would you take this story right here, and would you do just that? Would you draw us closer to you? Father, we ask you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, look at this with me. This, it, it's as weird as you read it, okay? You, you do understand that, right? There's a guy named Lot. Let's just do a quick recap. Last week, Lot, on one particular day, was in his city, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. You all know the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was in his city at the city gate. That meant he was a city official of some sort in Sodom, sitting at the gate. He saw the two visitors. He invited them into his home. He wanted to protect them. He knew what would happen in the city. And so Lot invited these two people to come into his home. He didn't know they were angels. The Bible says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. And that's what happened. Lot was entertaining angels. He didn't know who they were. He had them in his house. He fed them. They had a feast. But then you remember the men of the city, they lost it. They had lost control and they surrounded the house. And they wanted to rape the two men. But Lot, remember Lot? He lost his mind in the middle of that. And Lot, he tried to shove his own daughters out the door. He said, I've got two virgin daughters. You can have them. Remember that story? And this guy, Lot, you do understand that Lot went from being a a wealthy, well-to-do, some sort of a a civil servant, if you will. He was a, a leader in his community sitting at the city gate. And by the very next morning, at the very least, he had lost two of his daughters. At the very least, he had lost two son-in-laws. Maybe there were more. We don't know. But we know that was a plural word. So there was at least two daughters that were moved out. Remember, Lot tried to go to them, but they wouldn't go. They wouldn't follow. Lot lost his son-in-laws. He lost his daughters. Maybe there was grandchildren. He lost his grandchildren. Have you ever thought of this? Lot loses his home. He has no home. He has nowhere to go. There's no like, let's go back home and get our stuff. The Lord rained down fire and brimstone and took care of that city. And by the way, the judgment of the Lord is serious and you don't want to mess with it. The Lord's offered for you not to have to go through his judgment. He has offered for you to be saved. But if you want to wait around, it's going to be tough. Fire and brimstone, burn the whole city down, collapse the city. The home is gone. His clothes are gone. His job is gone. His money is gone. His wife is gone. Remember, his wife turned back. They were right to the city of Zor, and the the sun was coming up, and his wife turned back, and she turned to a pillar of salt. This man has lost everything. And then we get to this first verse for us today, this verse 30 in chapter 19. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains. Stop. Does anybody remember when the angel was in his house, and the angel said, flee, get out of here, go to the mountains? And what did Lot say? No, don't make me go to the, you could read, I'm I'm not going to, I'll I'll run out of time. But but remember that Lot said, don't make me go to the mountains. Maybe something bad would befall me if I go into the mountains. Maybe I would even die if I went into the mountains. Let me go over here to this little city. It's just a little one. And the angel said, see, you've even found grace in this. You've even found favor in this. You can go to Zor. The angels let Lot go to Zor. Lot didn't want to go to to the mountains. But now look, read it with me in verse 30. Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him. Are you reading this? Ready? For he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. I don't know why, I can only speculate why was Lot afraid to be in Zor? Maybe the people were upset. Maybe they're looking at Lot and saying, is your God going to do the same thing to us that he did to Sodom? Are they, are they kind of blaming Lot instead of looking at it as they should and saying we should repent and we should change and we should turn to the Lord because he is a fierce God. He is worthy to be worshipped. He is the only true God. He could rain fire out of heaven. Instead of turning to God, did they turn on Lot? We see that happen often throughout history. 
I don't know why it happened, but I know that what I read is that Lot was afraid to be in Zor. He was there in Zor, and he's trying to start, restart a life in Zor, but he realizes we can't stay here. And so here goes Lot into a cave. This, is not a, this isn't a camping trip. This isn't fun. This guy is desperate. I'm going to make my first point to you, and I want everybody to hear this. Despair will cause you to go where you never wanted to go to begin with. My granddad, uh, when he was a little boy, we called him granddaddy. So if that slips out, just accept it, okay? He was granddaddy to me. And, and my granddaddy, he, uh, he grew up in Georgia. Well, when he was young, he was in Georgia. And, and we're talking like uh, you know, 19, late 1920s. Uh, and so he lived in a house in Georgia, and they didn't have electricity. And he was about four years old. And he had a candle, and he was taking the candle, and he was dripping the wax down his pajama pant leg. He was, like, letting it run down his pant leg. And my granddaddy, when he was four years old, he caught himself on fire. And uh, his, he was living, I should probably tell you in the midst of this, that he was living with his grandmother. His mother did not want him. Uh, we found out later that there's some Indian in our heritage, and that was part of it. They didn't want him as an Indian child. So his mom didn't want him, and, and uh, so she had given him to, his grand, to her mom, to his grandmother. And he, his grandmother heard him screaming from the other room, and she ran in, and he was ablaze. And she took the rug, and she rolled him up in the rug and patted him out. And she didn't even take the rug off of him. She just scooped him up and ran him to the local hospital there in Georgia. My granddaddy spent the next three years of his life in a hospital. He was the second in the United States to ever receive plastic surgery. A guy from France came down, a surgeon from France came down and did my granddaddy's plastic surgery when he was five years old or whatever he was. And so they did a plastic surgery on him to reconstruct his body. He had burned all the skin off of his stomach and off of his, the one side of his body. And so they did plastic surgery and it wasn't as good back then as it is now. And so when my granddaddy came out at eight years old, um, they said he really won't grow much more because the plastic can't can't grow so it'll stunt his growth and they sent him to school and schools back then you could spank a child by the way I think that might be needed right now anyways <laughs> you want to know what kids look like when you don't spank them just look around at some of the young adults and you'll go oh that's what happens when you don't spank them <laughs> so anyways uh, they did spanking back then and they weren't very considerate of my granddaddy's condition and his teacher she whooped him and she split him open and he went back in the hospital for another three years so he'd been six years in the hospital. He came out of the hospital when he was barely 11 years old, and it was summer, and they were going to send him to school the next year. At 12 years old, my granddaddy was going back to the first grade. That's a true story. My granddaddy got so desperate. He got so desperate in his situation. He got in despair so bad, he decided he couldn't take the ridicule in school anymore. All the kids were picking on him. They were all laughing at him. Here he was, this 12-year-old boy, 11, 12-year-old boy trying to go to first grade. And everybody was laughing at him and picking on him. So my granddaddy did something. He jumped on a train, a westbound train, and he hightailed it for the gold mines in California. That was his goal. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you think that grown men down in the gold mine are going to treat a 12-year-old boy who can't grow. You see, despair, when you get to the point that you're desperate, you don't think about that. You, we get this thought in our mind, if I could just go there, if I could just get out of this situation, that would make my situation better. Well, friends, I have to tell you this. Changing places never changes your despair. 
move from one place to another place. It won't change anything. It doesn't get better for Lot. Lot said, please let me go down to Zor. I'll, I'll just, it's just a little town. He gets into Zor. He can't even stay. He's so afraid for his life. He decides that it's better for him that instead of staying in Zor, where does he now go? He goes and lives in a cave. He's not a caveman. This isn't prehistoric. He had nowhere else to go. So in the pit of despair, he decides to go find a cave. Oh, and it only gets better. I'm sorry that the story's weird today, but we have to deal with it. Verse 31, now the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is no man on earth to come in to us as is the custom of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine. You also go in and lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Verse 35, if I lost you. Then they made their father drink wine and that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. You want to talk about a desperate situation. You think it was desperate for just Lot? Because his two daughters are in the cave with him. Remember, they lost their sisters. They lost their nieces and nephews. They lost their mom. And by the way, would anybody pay attention? Remember the first, one of the first stories we heard about Lot when they had to separate? Do you remember that at one point Lot had so much stuff, the land couldn't hold Lot and Abraham at the same time? His daughters were a part of that. At some point in their life, they were probably a part of that. There was so much stuff. Abraham and Lot's servants were fighting each other. Abraham said, hey, we shouldn't fight. Let's let you, Lot, choose whatever land you want. And remember, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He went from having so much stuff that he had to stay away from Abraham. Somewhere in that, you do recognize he moved into the city. He doesn't have the stuff anymore. If, you, if, if the land can't hold you and Abraham, then certainly your stuff doesn't fit inside of the city. Do you understand this man went from being so wealthy that he was on par with Abraham? Now he's in the city. Then they lose the city and they lose the, their, their clout. You know what these girls, you know what they experienced? They were probably popular at one time. Daddy was a city official. Daddy was very wealthy. Daddy sold all his stuff and had all this money and they lived in the city and they enjoyed themselves. And now these two girls, they went from, from being popular and being well-known And according to what we read from last week, these were two virgins of Lot. These girls were probably highly sought after. And now they go to Zor and people can't stand to look at them. And mom's dead and sisters are dead and nephews and nieces are dead and there's no house and there's no change of clothes and there's no popularity. And so they're living in a cave with dad and in their sheer desperation, they come up with a grand idea. Well, nobody else is probably going to marry us. See, that's despair. There's no hope. Nobody else is going to marry us. Nobody else is going to do it. I know what we'll do. We'll get dad drunk. And we'll have dad get us pregnant. Now, I've never been drunk. But I can tell you that you had to be really, really, really drunk to get to the point that this man, according to the Bible, he did not know when they laid with him and when they got up. And I'll make a second point for you. You ready for this? Not only will despair take you to places you don't want to go, but despair will have you do things that you never wanted to do. You want to know how I know that Lot didn't want to do this? 
I've read some commentators, some commentators are really dogging on Lot right here. They said, well, considering what he had tried to do with his daughters the week before, maybe Lot didn't care, maybe Lot didn't mind. Well, Lot minded enough that they knew they'd have to get him drunk to do it. You with me? Are you sticking with the story? Like they knew dad's not going to go for this. We're going to have to get him so drunk that he'll do it. So that's what they did. They get dad to drink so much that they could lay with their dad so that he could get him pregnant. Despair will cause you to do something that you never would want to do. Uh, A case in point in today's world is abortion. Uh, The more that I study on abortion and the more I know I'm on a a board at Crossroads and the more that I study about abortion uh, and the more that I find out about it, the more I find out that the the reality is sometimes the church, we kind of paint the picture. I'm not saying wrongfully so, but I I do think that we kind of push this picture that... that, um, that some young women want an abortion. But the truth of the matter is that most, almost all young women who have an abortion don't want the abortion. I got a quote for you, and this is from a pro-abortion quote. This is uh, right here. This is from uh, uh, Frederica uh, Green. And you can read this quote. This is a quote. You've probably heard this. If you've ever heard somebody make an argument about abortion, you've probably heard this argument, especially the last part. She says this, there's a tremendous sadness and loneliness in the cry, a woman's right to choose. Now remember, she's pro-choice. She's pro-abortion, okay? And so read this with me. No one wants an abortion as she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. This is the line you've probably heard. She wants an abortion as an animal caught in a trap, wants to gnaw off its own leg. You see, what despair will do when you get to the point that you think there's no hope, it'll cause you to do the thing you never thought you would do. You know, one of the disturbing facts that I found out being on on the board at Crossroads at the Pregnancy Resource Center, you know, one of the disturbing facts that I found out was that there's a high percentage of young women in churches that go have abortions. Why do you think that is? Because we get to this point where we think there's no hope. There's nothing left. What else could I do? These two girls are in a cave with daddy. What else can I do? My mom and dad, they, they got married young. They had kids young. They had my oldest brother, Matt, and they got pregnant a second time. His name was going to be Brandon. Brandon was born hydrocephalus, so he had water on his head. His head was so big that he wasn't going to make it out of the birth canal. And so they looked at my dad and they said to my dad, now they knew that he was going to be physically handicapped and mentally handicapped for the rest of his life. But there in the delivery room, my mom had passed out. And according to my dad, the doctor looked at him and said, you have to choose. I can only save one, your wife or your son. And my dad said, what? And he said, I have to relieve the pressure, your wife or your son. So my dad said, my wife. And they relieved the pressure off of my brother's head. He made it for about four hours. So devastated were my mom and dad that they got pregnant a second time. The doctors had a a fix. They said, we're going to stick a needle in and we're going to do a test on the the baby. They probably said fetus, but it's a baby. They said, we're going to do a test on the baby. They're pregnant again. So there's Matt and there's Brandon, Brandon hydrocephalus. Now there's a third baby. They said, we're going to do a test on the baby. And they tested that baby and they came back and they said, Uh, his DNA shows that he has a high probability of being hydrocephalus. And if he's not hydrocephalus, at the very least, he'll be Down syndrome. And so there, can you imagine? You've already been through the loss of one child. 
You've already been in the delivery room when they, when they relieved the pressure on one. And now the doctor looks at them and he says, would you like us to take care of the pregnancy? Would you like to terminate? You see, despair will cause you to go where you don't want to go, and it'll cause you to do the thing you never wanted to do. And I got one more for you. We got to read in the text. I promise it gets better. Look, look. We read in the text. It seems like it's going to be worse, but it's not. Verse 36, these two girls, they sleep with their own dad. They get pregnant. But verse 36, thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Can you imagine when Lot found out? Can you imagine when it set in for the girls what they had? They can't take it back now. What are you going to do? Girls are pregnant. Dad finds out. Verse 37, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. The Moabites were a thorn in the side of Israel from this point forward. They were always a thorn in the side of Israel, always fighting with Israel, always giving them a hard way to go. And look, there's another group of people. Verse 38, the younger, she also bore a son. His name's Ben Ami. He's the father of, of the people of Ammon. That's the Ammonites. To this day, the Ammonite people fought with Israel. If you're here on Wednesday nights, you're, you're reading through that right now as we're going through the book of Judges and we're seeing the, and we're seeing the Ammonites and the Moabites and we're going to see those names cropping up again. This is where they came from. That's what Genesis is. It's a book of beginnings and it's showing us the beginning of the Moabites and the Ammonites. Now check this out. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to educate you. This is it for Lot in the Bible. We went from following with Abraham, going after Abraham's God. He had as much stuff as Abraham had. They couldn't, bear the same, they couldn't stay in the same land. Moved into Sodom, sold all of his stuff. Sodom's destroyed. He loses his daughters, his son-in-laws, his wife, his house, his job. Can't stay in the city of Zor, living in a cave. His daughters get pregnant by him. And the story ends. We don't get it. I don't know what happened to like, did he ever move out of the cave? I don't know. Did he ever go back to Zor? I don't know. They said his daughter said he was old. They said that in this text today. So they said he was old. So I, I don't know what happened to Lot after this. It seems like that's the end of the story. And, and I've got one more for you. Despair will cause you to miss what God is doing. If you let it get you down far enough, God's working and God's working and God's working. And you know what you see? You see the despair. You're like Peter out on the water. You see the storm and you see the waves, but you don't see what God is doing. Now, I've told you this is the end for Lot. We don't hear any more of Lot. If you looked at it from that angle, it's over. But can we look at it from a different angle? Sure, we can. I want you to do this with me. Let's everybody grab your Bibles. And let's do a little turning. Can we do this? This is a great place to end right here. Look at this with me. Look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 4. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 4. So you're in Genesis. You can go forward a few books. You're going to find Ruth. You can do this. Judges, then Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 4. We'll do a little bit of turning, but it'll be worth it. Now, they took wives of the women of Moab. Wait, who, was, who started Moab? One of those daughters of Lot. Look, look. Now, they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Stay in Ruth, but go to the fourth chapter in verse 13. Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13. So we know the story of Ruth. I'm not going to recap that for you. Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, Ruth who's a Moabite, right? 
wanted Lot's daughters, Moabite. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Look a few verses forward at verse 17. Also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi, that's Ruth's mother-in-law, to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Hold on, wait, the Moabites, did you stick with me? The Moabites have Ruth. Ruth gets married to this guy named, this, this, uh, this guy named Boaz and they've got Obed and, and then Jesse and then David. Look at Matthew, go to the New Testament. Look at Matthew, look at Matthew. Chapter one and verse five. Matthew chapter one and verse five. We're just gonna see the same thing again. Matthew chapter one and verse five. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab, by the way. That's a cool one. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth and Obed begat Jesse. And then in Matthew chapter one and verse 15, Matthew chapter one and verse 15, Iliad begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, Mathan begot Jacob, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is the Christ. Are you sticking with me? You went from Moab. This daughter sleeps with daddy to have a baby and you get Moab and Moab, you get Jesus. I told you a story. I started out today with the story of a young man who was in, he had, in another state and he was in the brig and he was ready to commit suicide. His guards caught him and they put him on suicide watch. And he was in the military and they gave him an option Remember, he had a DUI, ran into a car at 90 miles an hour. They give him an option. They said, you have two options. You can either spend some time in prison or you can go to rehab. What do you think he chose? Rehab. They sent him into rehab. You know what they gave him in rehab? They said, you get one book. You can have one book. They gave him a choice. Now, I'm not for the choice, but whatever. They gave him the choice. They said, you can have a Koran or a Bible. He chose a Bible. After his time of isolation, when he got done with his... Uh, detoxing and whatever from the drugs and the alcohol. When he got done with that while he was in rehab, he met a young man and him and the young man found the Lord together. And he got out of rehab and he called his wife and he led his wife to the Lord. Friends, listen, despair will cause you to miss what God is already doing. You think God can't work with you right now. Can I tell you another one? My granddaddy, my granddaddy ran off to the gold mines. He worked in the gold mines for one day because my grandmother ran out and found him. And he thought nobody loved him and he thought nobody cared and his side kept splitting open. Every time he tried to grow a little bit, it was tearing and it was painful and everybody's making fun of him in school and he ran off to the gold mines and he made it one day and my grandmother, my, my great-great-grandmother found him and he ran away probably five or six times more and you know what she did every time? He thought nobody loved him and he ran off. She ran out and she got him. He ran off when he was 17 and he made it until he was 18 years old and then you know what happened? He went into a diner. He learned how to pool hustle. He, he was shoot billiards. He would shoot billiards and he was hustling. He was a bad teenager. He was a bad kid. And he went into a diner one night and he saw this pretty young lady and he went up to her and tried to introduce herself. And she put her hand up at him and she said, oh no. She said, I'm a devout Christian and I wouldn't talk to, I wouldn't date. She, she was, he wanted to go talk with her and she said, I wouldn't talk with anybody who's not a Christian, but she meant date. That's what she meant. So my granddaddy did something. He like, you know what we do for girls. We like girls. So my granddaddy, he went to church that Sunday my granddaddy devoted his life to the Lord Jesus. He married that young woman he met in the diner. And then he himself began to plant churches. My granddaddy spent a good portion of his life planting churches. You see, despair will cause you to miss what God's already doing. My mom and dad, they were offered the chance to have an abortion. And my mom looked at that doctor and said, absolutely not. 
She said, if God wants to give me another baby hydrocephalus, then that's what God will give me. The doctor said, you won't survive if you have another hydrocephalus baby. And she said, well, we'll have to let the Lord deal with that. Well, she delivered, for all intents and purposes, a very normal baby boy. I mean, he's, he's my brother, you know what? I mean, it's Chris, you know, but, but listen, I know, you know, some of y'all know him. <laughs> so, listen, I mean, for all intents and purposes, she, de- she delivered a nice, healthy baby boy. Those, those doctors are wrong, and they were trying to get her to have an abortion. You see, despair will cause you to do things you never thought you would do and go places you never thought you would go, and you get in the pit of despair. You know what happens? You miss what God's already doing. And you might right now be in a place where you're saying, I don't know what God, what could God do with right now? Well, friends, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I know what God can do with right now. He can lead you to himself through his son, Jesus. Despair is the absence, the lack of hope, no more hope. So despair is when we take our eyes off of Christ. Because when we put our eyes on Christ, what do we have? Is the hope and the assurance of God who is always at work. You know, Christ told us that. He said, my father's always working. He's always been working. He's always continuing to work. Friends, it's not God who's not working in your life. It's us who stop looking. It's not God who turns away from us. It's us who turn away from him. It was, God didn't turn his back on Lot. God wasn't done with Lot. Lot's the one who went towards Sodom. Lot's the one who moved in. Lot's the one who offered his daughters. It wasn't God's turning. It was Lot. And friends, it's not God turning from you. It's you. And if you'll turn back to him, you know what the Bible says? Just like the prodigal son, he's standing with his arms wide open. Do you know how much God loves you, even though you might be going through something really, really awful? He loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die for you. That you could have hope in him. His son, Jesus, died for you on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and rose again three days later, and you were on his mind. And even today, if you'll go to, to go to the Father through his son, Jesus, God will accept you because of what Jesus did on the cross a couple of thousand years ago. Your debt has been paid and your hope is found. It's in the person of Jesus. Friends, don't look at the despair. Just put your dependence in Christ and he'll do the saving. There is hope. It's not over. He is a good God who brings hope through his son. Would you put your faith in him today? Let's all stand up now and we'll have a time of altar call. Heavenly Father, We turn to you in Jesus' name and we ask you, Father, to just do whatever you want to do. Lord, I can think back through this week and I can see despair around us. And Lord, I didn't know when you you helped with this on Monday, I didn't know what you were going to do. So let me just say thank you, God, that you gave us this message at this time. Here again, you're working like always. And Father, I pray that right now you would help us to realize that we are not in despair if we are in you. That there is always hope in your son, Jesus. And for those of who maybe don't know your son and maybe they, they are in despair, Father, would you show them that there is a lifeline, an eternal lifeline in your son, Jesus. Father, would you draw them unto yourself? I don't know everybody in the room and I certainly don't know everybody watching right now. Father, would you work in only the way that you can? Would you draw all men unto yourself through your son Jesus in his exalted name? So take this time of altar call. Do with it whatever you would, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you made it all the way through the sermon. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Don't forget you can find all of our sermons at saltandlightbaptist.com media. You can join us live on Sunday morning on Facebook or at saltandlightbaptist.com live. We'll see you next week.